Hello, and welcome to A Brethren Break with Unadulterated Heart. This segment of the show will be dedicated to brothers and sisters all around the world that are walking out their God-given assignments. The goal of this section is to inspire and encourage you to walk in the fullness of what the Father has in store for you. You may even be inclined to connect with one of these guests. Now, come join us as we sit at the table in the presence of our enemies, glorifying the one that has set us free. In this episode, you'll meet Mike Moffat, pastor and host of the Bible Jazz Podcast. This guy is absolutely hilarious and wise, so get ready to be amused and educated as we discuss things like obstacles to being childlike and the freedom of expression. Let's dig in. Oh my goodness. I so look forward to this conversation because I had so much fun being a guest (laughs) on your podcast. So much fun. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I cannot wait. Yeah, same here. And you know that, uh, I know you saw how much I tried to pitch that episode. It's not every episode that has that kind of energy. So I was like, get, get the word out folks. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. That just it means the world to me. But so today I have Mike with me. Mike, thank you so much for coming on today. It's such a pleasure to have you. Oh, it's it's my pleasure to be here. And and it's the least I can do after you gave me some of your time on Bible Jazz, which uh, which still remains one of the one of the top 10 episodes. It's a lot of fun to talk to you. Oh, man, that is so cool to hear. Thank you for saying so, Mike. Yeah, Bible Jazz, such a cool idea for a podcast because I love that uh, in the same as mine, we we just improvise, we go with it, we allow Holy Spirit to kind of lead and and take the reins, and it's always just so much fun. And I think it's, um, you know, it's cool to plan sometimes, but if you have a spontaneous personality, it's also really fun and cool to not plan, to allow it to just be free and just go with the flow, you know? So I love it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that follows along. Uh, I think maybe the reason, one of the reasons we resonate the, the title of your, uh, your podcast. And I know where your heart is in terms of being childlike yeah. is, uh, re- recalls the days, those sat- long Saturday afternoons where you kind of stared at the ground <laughs> and we're <laughs> like, Oh, I see things I didn't see last time because I just <laughs> wandered out here, you know, and it's, it's pretty fun. It's very freeing. To be able to have the freedom to just go without a plan sometimes. And that's how I like, and like you said, with the podcast, with with mine specifically, I like to approach the father a lot of times without an agenda, because a lot of times if we go with him without an agenda, go to him without an agenda, he can really speak something that unexpected that we weren't really Mm -hmm. planning on hearing. And sometimes it's the most revolutionary thing that we could possibly hear at the time. And it's because Mm -hmm. we didn't come with the agenda that we were really seeking him on, but it was something that he really wanted to speak to us at that moment, you know? Oh, what a novel concept that God actually has ideas uh, for us. You know, (laughs) if we just stop being the experts of our own lives for two seconds, he might actually be able to get a word in. Wow. Right. I love that. That is so true. You know, <laughs> I know, so I, know funny. I, I talk a big game, you know, but I, I hear, I have to hear this just as much as anybody. Right. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mike, would you mind sh- uh, sharing with us uh, a little part of your testimony or a big part, whatever it is that you feel <laughs> led to, to share with us about your testimony? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking a little bit again, just, uh, about your, your, um, 
your show and and I presume therefore your your listener base. So I, I think about when I was a kid. Uh, in fact, just this uh, episode I just uploaded this week um, with a guy named J.C. Schroeder, we talked about how he and I were both baptized when we were five. And it's an wow. interesting age, yeah, because we both, he and I both remembered our baptisms and remembered understanding at least that level, which is kind of cool because they're, in, in a very real sense, a five-year-old does get it. They, they get what it is to be naughty. They get what it is to be forgiven. And yeah. so the message, the message of, of, hey, uh, so if you get that general equation, then you understand the gospel means that you are always forgiven and, and uh, embraced by Jesus. Do you want that? And as a five-year-old, it was like, uh, yeah, yes, please. That sounds great. <laughs> so I was baptized when I was five. And when I was 11, I had a really impactful moment listening to a Billy Graham sermon that my mom forced me to watch. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. So, hey, parents, you know, it's it's okay. You're not brainwashing your kids when you when you expose them to good things, you know, they absolutely will always uh, think for ourselves eventually, but to not expose kids to anything like that is to rob them of an opportunity to hear uh, the great news. Right. So so my mom, my mom in her wisdom, you know, and I remember it was forced. she's like, you're going to watch this. I was like, I want to go outside. And she's like, yeah, I watch this. Okay. (laughs) So I watched this, uh, this Billy Graham sermon on forgiveness actually. And uh, I remember crying. I was 11 years old and I I cried because it just was overwhelming kind of. Um, I remember that. And then when I was 17, I went off to uh, the old classic, you know, Mexico mission trip with the church thing. And and that was cool and everything. Um, But I had an opportunity to speak with the church after that uh, from the pulpit. uh, And uh, that was really cool. And was the first moment for me of kind of the Holy Spirit saying, you, you are built for this kind of venue um, to interact with people like this uh, in ideas uh, in a kind of a public setting. So that was kind of cool, which would eventually lead to a, a sense of vocational call. But, um, but at 17, you know, I was like, wow, you know, God is, is, is great. But the Mexico exposed, the exposure to the poverty in Mexico really helped uh, shape the complexity of the way God works in the world too, you know, yeah. so that that child likeness uh, gets challenged, right, with the world's brokenness. Something again, you and I talked about on the episode that you were on, right? Oh man, yeah. like, life is hard, and this right. place is broken. And so as we grow up, we we get exposed to that. Um, at that time, and this is again back to sort of the the improvisational spirit of life. Is uh, I was still deep, deep, deep in theater and music, and. Um, as far as I knew, my whole career was going to end up being theater. I did a lot of improv in high school and then in college. I earned my Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting, and um, and I loved it because it, the whole process of learning the craft of acting besides building character and the rest of it and all of the physical skills is very much kind of a – when you get on stage to do that thing you rehearsed over and over, you have to also, in the other half of your brain, have this sense that you don't really know what's going to happen tonight. And, you've, and just like your character doesn't really know what's going to happen on the next page, you've got to try to approach this with both things in mind. I know exactly what I'm doing. It's rehearsed on the one hand. And yet if I play it like that, it's going to be wooden and boring and, and, and not organic. Right. So how do you yeah. hold those two things in tension? So I've always been intrigued by that. And to this day, now fast fast forwarding from age 22 to my age now, 45, I'm still trying to figure that out every single Sunday. You know, like wow. uh, we rehearse this stuff, the music and the movements and the sermon or whatever. But if I get up here and I am present with you in the church in a way that feels rehearsed, well, then you have every right to be to be bored. I'll be bored, you know. Um, Absolutely. So I think that 
that's that's part of my story and i'm giving a short version obviously but um uh but i in my story anyway to the love of storytelling um mm. began in the theater continued on through seminary for me and then has really continued through my career as a school chaplain and now in my career as a church pastor so uh improv and story the whole idea of the arc of story and the way children love to play in story has always been really close to my heart i am learning as an adult that every denomination um has their differences and similarities and all of that but just because you are in one denomination doesn't mean that every single person that is in that specific denomination is the same way and now let me mm -hmm. explain what i mean by that <laughs> so um when i was growing up you know i grew up in a Presbyterian church. And what is so funny is that my mindset as a kid, cause I grew up as a child in church. Like I, since I was born, like I got the whole sprinkle on the head thing, baptism and all of that. Um, and so I had been in the church for a very long time, but then whenever I got to about 12, uh, my mom let me decide if I wanted to stay and keep going in to church or not. Mm -hmm. And I chose that I did not want to, because like you said, um, if you, if it's all rehearsed and all this stuff, it could be boring. And that's exactly what it was. I was bored. <laughs> I did not see the point in it. It wasn't fun. It wasn't exciting. There wasn't any passion. It was just, you know, you go to church because you're supposed to, it's all duty, you know, that, you know, uh, duty full, you know what I mean? That yeah, you're just, yeah. you just have to do it because this is just what you do. And mm -hmm. uh, I just didn't see the point. And, um, and it was the Presbyterian church that I was going to. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because whenever I was growing up, I just had in my mind that all Presbyterian churches were just going to be boring, that mm -hmm. the, that specific denomination was just going to be boring. <laughs> so I just, just now being an adult and knowing that's irrational, think that doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, well, it, it, it makes some sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I was trying to be nice, Mike. I know. I know. <laughs> Very kind of you. I was trying to not to be judgmental here, but, um, you know, but, uh, it's so funny that now I, I, I'm, I'm meeting new people and especially having a podcast where I do get to talk to a bunch of different denomination, uh, people. And uh, it's not just one specific person that I'm reaching out to. I'm finding out that everybody is not just stuck in a box of denomination, you know, like you, yeah. I would have never guessed was a Presbyterian if I was back when I was thinking that everybody's boring and all of that stuff. Uh, denominations shouldn't ever hold us back and put us in some sort of box mm -hmm. because there's so much more to a person, to a pastor, to a church than their denomination. Uh, and that's why I love audio only podcasts like this. Cause you don't, you couldn't know this, but I'm actually sitting here in a full jester costume. I'm talking tights <laughs> like jingle bells on my hat. Shoot. I have a little stick with a little puppet on it. I mean, no, why I, are we not on video right now? Oh, I cannot see? wait to get my video one going. I'm telling you, it's going to be <laughs> awesome, man. I so missed out on this. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole new movement in the Presbyterian church, uh, <laughs> but you see what I mean? Like that's, that's exactly what I mean. It's like, it's, it's like, why not? Like, why not let our minds just kind of wander off into that kind of insanity, you know? Cause it doesn't, it doesn't really, 
it's not really antithetical to the spirit. It's not necessarily <laughs> massively edifying or inspiring either, but, sure. but there, there's room for play. And when we right. leave, when we leave room for play, new things can happen by accident that suddenly are inspiring or are uh, edifying too, you know? Um, and so that, that's why that, it's just, a, I shared that cause I literally just had a vision of myself sitting here in a jester costume, but, but, um, <laughs> But also like, but that's where, like, again, in theater, you you train to go back. You actually, you, uh, I, could, I should say you untrain to try to get rid of all of the editing you've, you've learned to do as an adult. You edit, 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 like teenagers, you know, learn to edit everything they do and say so that they're acceptable. Right. Right. But before you're a teenager, you don't really do that. Right. Uh, you, you know, you don't worry so much about editing yourself. In fact, if anything, you get tired of mom or dad or whomever editing you. <laughs> like, right. I don't want to, I don't want to wear this. I want to wear cowboy boots. And they're like, we're, right. we're, we're going swimming. Like, I don't care. I still want to <laughs> wear cowboy boots and you don't care. You know, exactly. I my, my daughter, when she was three, she, re I remember I have a picture of her running around the house, three-year-old girl with no shirt on and with red and white striped leggings uh, running around with a, a wire whisk from the kitchen, you know, just like, woohoo. And I, yes. I snapped, a, snapped a picture of her. And I was like, that that's in essence what we have to untrain ourselves back to in spirit so yes. that we can be open to possibilities that, that are transrational, open Absolutely. to transrational possibilities. Yeah. I, oh man, that is so true because, and that's like the whole essence of my podcast and what I'm trying to get out there to the world. Like, let's unadult ourselves. Like, how hard is it? It's so difficult. And like somebody like you with a personality, you know, and background in theater and all and in, in improvising, you have such an ability to be able to imagine and, um, you know, unadult yourself in that way. Not everybody has that ability. You know, it's very mm -hmm. difficult for people to think about like sitting at the feet of Jesus cross-legged on the floor, looking up at him in just awe and wonder to just listen and imagine what he could say or like, mm -hmm you know, uh, going out into nature and looking up at the stars and gazing upon the beauty of his creation and just wandering with him. You know, mm -hmm. people just don't do this anymore. And we need to, we desperately need to get back to awe and wonder, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I think you're absolutely right. I, you know, what, one of the things that just hit me was like, you use the word wonder that actually Mike, mm. is it Mike, Either Mike or Mark Iaconelli is a, a, a well-published uh, uh, guy in youth ministry, and he's got a book called Dangerous Wonder. It's a Ooh. great book. Yeah, I can't cite it now. It's on my shelf, but um, but I read it uh, a long time ago. Yeah, Dangerous Wonder. That's a great word, wonder. And I was thinking about, like again, kind of staring at the ground as a kid on a boring Saturday afternoon and, and just wondering, you know? Mm. Or it, it made me think of the narwhal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because, because what is that and why, you know? And uh, <laughs> and it, it, that made me think of, of the movie Elf with Will Ferrell, which swept the nation, right? And it's funny to me that it did because it's a fun movie, but now it's like one of these Christmas classics, you know? Yeah. Uh, Elf with, with Will Ferrell. And, of course, there's a narwhal early in the movie. But it, yes. And it gets to my point here. My point is, <laughs> is that, um, is that we have, uh, we have imaginers 
in our world and yeah. they know that's their role. They're, they're storytellers and songwriters and such, uh, other kinds of artists perhaps, and, and not always artists, I suppose. Um, but, but those who create, those who express imagination and we rely on them and that's, that's good. Sometimes we all need artists to say and do things that we just don't know how to say and do for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the artists uh, in our world uh, don't have a monopoly on imagination. So it might be a good challenge for us to go like almost like set up a premise and say, um, if I were shrunken to the size of, of housefly and I ended up in the kitchen, what would I do next? You know, and just let ourselves go there without somebody else writing the story for us. That's some really good advice. I was thinking about uh, some of the obstacles that people might have of being able to let themselves go and wonder and imagine and things like that. Mm -hmm. One of the obstacles that came to my mind was maybe some, uh, of course the, there's arrogance, maybe some pride, um, and things like that. But I wonder too, with like people pleasing mm. now, have you ever struggled with, with people pleasing, especially as a pastor? That's a great question. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, in terms of Sunday teaching, I don't mm -hmm. teach, I don't preach, teach. I'm starting to use the word teach more than preach because preach has like this neg negative connotation, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't uh, teach every Sunday. But um, yeah, whenever you get up there and you start talking publicly, certainly now that it's online as well, you're like, golly, and I, I don't really want to get angry emails or, or be wrong. Sure. Even I look like a fool up here. So I think there's always, isn't that why public speaking is like the number one p fear people have, you know, is probably that they don't want to be foolish or ultimately displease the people that are bothering to listen to them. So, um, there's that. Yeah. People pleasing. There's also program like again, in a church context, um, the idea of creating programs. So if you say, Hey, um, you say, hey, Rachel, I want to invite you to this women's group. It meets on Wednesdays. And then you say, oh, cool. What do you do? Or what do the, the women do there? And I tell you, and you're like, mm, meh, no thanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like it's hard not to take that personally, right? Because even though it's okay. not personal. So I right. think that there's a people-pleasing aspect in terms of the public uh, view of whatever I, I happen to do. But I think also in the programmatic way, like we don't want to, just create a consumer commodity out there to, in, to enter into the marketplace somehow on the one hand. But on the other hand, we also don't want to do something that's seemingly useless to people either. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, people pleasing is I mean, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good question about obstacles to imagination though, too, because I was thinking in a religious context, I think people often worry about being wrong about something. I see. Um, yeah. You know, factually wrong or, or theologically wrong. And, and I guess I just fall back again on the notion of play, uh, as like, it doesn't worry so much whether it's wrong. It's not like you're going to etch it in stone forever, you know, whatever right. it is you come up with, but it opens the yeah. door to something new that may, that may happen that can never happen if you don't open the door in the first place, I guess, you know? So I suppose yeah. that's another obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, being wrong. You're right. I, I didn't really think about that part because I think about when I think of 
about imagining. I, I think of it not being looked at as right or wrong, you know, right. because when, when you're imagining and you're just letting your creativity flow and, and, uh, not allowing God to be put in some box, like, uh, yeah. yes, of course there's the, the things that are definitely true and definitely not true. Like that God is always just, and he, like those things, right. of course, like we're, we're never going to steer from factual truths of God, but then there's just the other parts that, you know, could, uh, like, like for instance, the way God speaks to us, the way God speaks to you and the way God speaks to me is going to look different, uh, because we are very unique individuals. God created us in, in our mother's wombs. And so we don't have like the things that excite me about the Lord, whether that's, you know, going into nature and walking around and just watching the, the trees flow and, 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 you know, all of those things excite me, but maybe they wouldn't excite somebody else. And, and I feel God whenever I'm in nature, but maybe somebody else would feel God in a different way. And so that's why, you know, putting God in a box and the way that he speaks to us and the way that we feel him and sense his presence, you know, we, we don't want to ever just put our perceptions on somebody else and say, this is the way that you can hear God, because mm -hmm. that might not be true for someone, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think about, for example, some of our great scholars. And when yeah. I say great, I mean, the ones we really enjoy, not necessarily just great because they were super duper smart, you know, I don't, yeah. <laughs> like even, even the idea of intelligence is a little bit subjective, right? Like what is, what is it to be intelligent, you know, yeah. or to, to be wise? One of my favorites, uh, this is certainly not unique. He's super crazy popular is, uh, N.T. Wright, Tom Wright. Uh, yeah. he teaches at Oxford. He's written a bazillion books and, but he's one of the best scholars of our generation. I think partly because he's, his intelligence is, is, is sort of you know, top level, but he's in his, his ability to articulate is, is another skill he has. He can say things in ways you're like, Oh, now I get it. You know? Um, but I think too, that somebody like Tom Wright can't, can't produce what they've produced and certainly bring forth the tenderness with which they bring it forth unless there's some joy in it. And, uh, when you when you look at N.T. Wright in his Oxford study, which you can see because he does uh, little short videos on the Bible app and stuff, so you get to actually see what his study looks like. I mean, yeah. it looks exactly like you'd expect. It's it's lined floor to ceiling with books, you know, and his desk has got books all over it. And, and you're like, okay, if you're not a bookworm, does this look like a joyful playground? <laughs> Right. Like, no, it looks like a miserable homework assignment, right? So not <laughs> not everybody is going to jump into that environment and go, yay, this looks like so much fun. But some people will, and Tom Wright most certainly does, you know? And so yeah. off he goes in his playground, and then he produces this beautiful fruit with the power of the Holy Spirit because that's what he was meant to do. And so you're absolutely right. The question all of us have to ask God is, Hey, you know, God, you made a Rachel shaped uh, uh, void in the world and then you filled it with Rachel <laughs> <laughs> and then only Rachel can fill that Rachel shaped void. And so what is it exactly that you wanted this this Rachel to do? And that's yeah. exciting. That's an exciting question. And I think it really can can combat, uh, though, there's no 
easy fix to things like anxiety and depression. Uh, it's certainly a, a, a weapon we have in the fight against anxiety and depression to help us remember our uniqueness and that the joy that God wants us to have in fulfilling our purpose is, uh, is good and is right. And it's okay that it's unique. Absolutely. And that none of them will look the same. And, and our mentors and our leaders and our pastors and our whoever that we look up to, um, they're all going to have their specific gifts and callings and ways. And that even though we look up to them, we shouldn't try to make our destiny and purpose and, and thing that we do look exactly like that person because ours shouldn't look exactly like anybody else's because it's ours and the father's. If you think about where we were born, the time frame that we were born in, the families we were born into, all of those aspects, God chose specifically. They weren't by accident. They weren't just happenstance because he said that he destined us, he predestined destined us before the beginning of the world. Mm-hmm. So he had this exact time, place, and people that we are surrounded by on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that is outstanding to think yeah. about, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I, can I say a word on foolishness? Uh, Please. I mentioned earlier about uh, yes. some, of the ob- some of the obstacles to imagination. Yes. So, you know, Paul in First Corinthians uh, chapter one, two, somewhere early in First Corinthians. Um, yeah. I don't memorize verses; I memorize proximities. <laughs> That's so uh, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one that does no, that. Good. No, I'm terrible with memory verses, but I remember usually remember within a chapter or two of what I'm looking <laughs> for. Um, uh, Paul talks about how the wise things of the world are foolishness to God, mm. and of course, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, and and life for those who who excuse me, who believe, right? So foolishness is an interesting thing to dwell upon when it comes to childlikeness and imagination. And I think I want to offer two examples of of, a child not minding looking foolish, right? Excellent. The one is is the more appealing, which is the the fun and the happiness and the joy piece of it. So again, you know, running around with a, a, a wire whisk from the kitchen and singing, singing really loudly or, or jumping in puddles and the rest of it is, is, is one that we all sort of go, Oh yeah, that, that's really nice. Uh, and I, I'd love to have that feeling again, um, yeah. sitting here in a jester costume or, or what have you. Um, <laughs> and, and I'll offer too, like, and, and again, I, I have a, maybe a, just kind of a zany sense of humor and, and imagination, but even just today, so it's two days after Easter today, uh, just before this interview, we were talking on staff here about Easter services and everybody was happy with the way they went, but you know, there's always some, a little bit of constructive, like, well, this was out of tune or that was misspelled or whatever. Right. <laughs> and I, and I just said, you know, I wonder if like at the, at the original Passover meal where Jesus sort of uh, uh, instituted communion, right? This that's Monday, Thursday, last Thursday, the Thursday before Easter. That's what we remember is that Jesus instituted the Lord's supper at that Passover meal. Right. Yeah. And, and we always idealize it in our minds. It's sort of candlelit and it's warm in the room. It's quiet and everybody's whatever, you know? And I just had this funny image of like one of the disciples that nobody talks about, like Bartholomew or somebody who nobody knows. Right. <laughs> And he, and he turns to another one, like Andrew, another one that nobody talks about. Right. And he's like, yo, yo, Andrew, who got this, who got this bread? (laughs) Why why do you ask, bro? This is stale, man. This has got to be from last week. It's like hard and gross. You know, like we don't know because Luke or Matthew or Mark didn't bother to tell us 
whether or not the bread was stale or maybe the wine had turned a little vinegary or any, or maybe it was chilly in the room. They don't tell us those details because they don't matter, right? Yes. At the end of the day, that kind of stuff doesn't matter. So whether it's the details of a worship service like this, this or that was misspelled or I misspoke or I, I forgot my lines or whatever, or, or zooming out to the meta again, some of the details of our life, right? Like, oh, I forgot to brush my teeth this morning and my, my breath stank today or, you know, or whatever it is, you know, that yeah. we go, I, I feel foolish now because of this tiny little minuscule thing that wasn't in a sense, perfect. Well, kids just don't care. Right. They, just, they just don't. And we, it doesn't, and I know that what I love about your podcast is that you, you're always going to be playing with the tension between responsibility on the one hand and childlikeness on the other. And I get that, you yeah. know, but, but we have to learn, we do have to relearn to let go of foolishness that does, that truly doesn't matter. Oh so my goodness. I think that's true in the joyful and fun pieces of life, like jumping in mm. puddles. But I also think it's true, and Jesus exemplifies this really well. You wonder if Jesus felt embarrassed. And you know, spoiler alert, he didn't. I don't think uh, <laughs> when he wept openly over the city of Jerusalem. Wow! In, in Matthew twenty-three, I think and he wept, and he and he said, "Oh Jerusalem, if only you had seen what God was doing. If only you had been able to recognize what's happening in front of you." But instead you know, tragedy is in your future and he weeps and cries and moans and, and wails. And, um, you don't see a lot of that in, in 21st century America. I, I feel like, you know, if I turned on CNN or Fox news, either one, and people were just openly weeping, I would feel much better about what's happening in, in the yeah. public sphere, because I feel like that's what everyone wants to do, <laughs> but, yes. but we don't do it because we don't want to look foolish. Right? Wow. We, we, we want to look like we have it all together. But one, one more quick anecdote. When our daughter again was three years old, she was in this sort of tantrum season of toddlerhood. And I was, and it was kind of scary. She was like, Oh, she's demon possessed. What's happening. And um, <laughs> I was chatting with a friend of mine who was a school counselor. And I and I told him about it. I said, is, is she okay? Or, you know, should we call the, call the, you know, the authorities? What's, what's happening with this child? <laughs> And my friend says, uh, he just kind of smiles and he goes, isn't it great though? And I was like, no, it's terrifying. What do you mean? <laughs> and he said, basically, she's just doing what we all wish we could still do. Right. Right. Yes. When our, when our socks don't feel right or when our meal was a little bit too spicy or whatever, right. we feel the same way, but we've learned to dampen it in layers of editing or, and some of it's brain maturity too. Um, but at the end, but at the end of the day, like we're all still there. Yeah. And psychologists call it the primal scream. The, 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 and it's not always a scream, but the primal scream is anything we can express without editing it or without worrying about any of the repercussions of it. And so anyways, yeah. so I think yeah. looking foolish is one of the greatest obstacles to joy and to true sorrow, I think. And that's something that kids are experts at. And we got to remember to try to let ourselves be free and find safe places and safe times to allow ourselves to do both of those things. You know what the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about uh, acting like a child and looking foolish and not caring, but in a totally fine and acceptable way that should be happening is whenever David was dancing before mm -hmm. the Lord undignified, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. what would it look like if 
all of the Jesus followers, all of the Jesus lovers, every single person that loved him so much that they wanted to express themselves before him. What if we just did? What if we just let ourselves go and didn't care what people thought about us and just expressed our joy and love and adoration of him openly? And I will say when I'm at my house, there are times that I am like yelling at the top of my lungs, like, yes, Lord, you are so good. You're amazing. And I'm just expressing myself in an undignified manner. And, and like, yes, sometimes I am like jumping around and acting crazy in my room by myself. And sometimes I wonder like, man, I wish I could do that in a public setting at times, not all the time. You know what yes. I mean? I, I know that there's a time and a place for things. I get that. I just wonder mm -hmm. what it would look like if, if all of us were just true to ourselves and just allowed Holy Spirit to just move and be expressed in love and joy and, uh, you know, expression yeah. that, you know, it could look so different. You know, I, I'm, that's a great question. I know it's in some sense, it's a rhetorical question, but it, it opens yeah. up to me a recent event on the interwebs. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I just heard about it today. I, I, I don't know when it happened, but it's in the, within the last few days, uh, today it's April 19th folks. If you want to go back in the internet and look, um, but, uh, is it Congresswoman or, or Senator, uh, Ilhan Omar from many, uh, from Minnesota, okay. um, she, she was on a chartered flight and there were some Christians on the flight. They were going to do some kind of mission work. Anyway, they were worshiping on the flight uh, together. And she, she posted on Twitter a video of the worship. And she said, um, I wonder what would happen if my family and I started to spontaneously pray on a flight. And she's a Muslim woman and uh, wears the hijab and all the rest. And that's, that's fine. So it's interesting because what her comment was a, a rhetorical question. Right. Uh, it, it infers, I think, or sorry, it implies her point, which is that if her family started doing that, they wouldn't be accepted in the same way that the that the Christians would and so forth. But it really divided the Internet. Um, and of course, it's become massively viral. Millions of people have looked at it now and they've all talked about it and all so forth. But uh, but ultimately what's happened is people have been divided on whether or not it's OK for those Christians to worship openly on that flight. Interesting conversation, which is fodder for, for a longer conversation than, than the point I'm going to make, which is, which is this. That's a moment of sort of undignified uh, worship, right? Joyful, playful, yeah. spontaneous worship on, on the flight. And I think that, uh, um, obviously, I think it should be allowed, especially when it's not a public flight. It was a chartered flight. But, um, but also, this is where our childlikeness does need to be met with our adult learning our, our adult level responsibility learning meaning if i were to now switch it off of the that current event thing because i don't want to speak for them but if it were me and i was doing something spontaneously and undignified and wonderful and joyful and someone said hey you know i don't appreciate that that's an interesting moment right as an adult american mm -hmm. christian to go okay um i can now this is where the child in me is like well i don't care you know and then i stick my tongue out at them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever kids do, you know, that's what kids. Right, do, right, right. Guess, right? Yeah. But, but then I have to kind of, then I do have to take my gesture hat off, you know, right. what's the opposite of that? Like a top hat and monocle. Like what's the opposite? Ooh, absolutely. Of Very dignified. Very what's dignified. The, yeah. <laughs> it's the most dignified thing there is. 100%. I can't think of anything more dignified than a top hat and a monocle. I mean, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, oh my gosh. Um, so sorry. My brain was like, Hey, hang on. I got to come back. Um, so, but I, but then to turn and, and this does take, you know, kids aren't capable of this. So this is where we have to kind of go, Hey, tell me what offended you. Okay. Let me listen. Well, why did it offend you? Okay. And then I think about the fruit of the spirit in Galatians five, right? Paul lists okay. these things, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, this, the fruit that the Holy spirit grows in us. And, and then what Paul says after that, we often stop the quote at the end of the fruit of the spirit themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. But what he says after that is he goes against such things, meaning against these kinds of things, there is no law. Wow. It is not ever against the law to be gentle, peaceful, patient, kind, self-controlled. Right. So that if I, in my moment of undignified spontaneity, step on someone's toes, which is okay. It's a community. It happens, right? Yeah. It, it, when it happens, I then have an opportunity to let the fruit of the spirit in my life shine through, through humility and, and gentleness. Yeah. And yeah. then it becomes a win-win situation. And kids really just aren't there most of the time. They're not capable of that kind of subtlety, but but we can translate then our childlike freedom into adults, uh, stewardship of the gospel i think those are opportunities we can take instead of being offended and, and sticking our tongue out we can actually get somewhere with people when we remember how to get there with those people wow that is such a good point and i did not know this conversation was going to go this way and i'm telling you i am learning so much right now there is so <laughs> much meat in this and so much power in this because you're right you're right like it's not like whenever we're undignified that we're thinking in the back of our minds like oh yeah i can't wait to step on somebody's toes like <laughs> oh it's, it's malicious thinking, you know, like, yes, I, I want to offend people right now. It's, it's just when a child is being undignified, all that they're doing is just expressing their whole heart, not, yeah. not thinking in a malicious way. I want to offend them. They're, they're just being themselves mm -hmm. and they didn't mean to do any of it, but if it's offensive, then yes, in the adult way, we could handle it like, oh, okay, well, uh, I am sorry about that. I, that was not my intentions. Um, can you tell me more? Like you said, asking questions about why or, you know, and then kind of e even explaining yourself a little bit, which is, which is fine to do. I had a, a private conversation with, with another Christian, um, who we were, we were having a discussion about how, um, I, I, I made a point to say that, uh, I don't think it's healthy to kind of put God in the box of religion because, um, you know, people's thoughts on religion a lot of times is, uh, like a Pharisee type of, of way uh, mm -hmm. of thinking of like, you know, got to do this, got to do that rules, regulations, perfections. When I think about religion, that's where my mind goes instantly. Mm -hmm. And I know that not everybody thinks the same way as me and that's okay. I'm not expecting them to. I just said, you know, God is so much bigger. He's so much more. He's so much more than, than the law, you know, because he sent Jesus to fulfill it. And, and there's just so much more. Uh, I'm not trying to dispel the law. I'm not trying to get rid of it. I, I'm just saying that there is just so much more to him than mm -hmm. this religion, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, this person was very adamant to be like, you know, if you 
say that you love Jesus or whatever, then you are religious. And finally, I, I just explained my thoughts about it and was just like, hey, this is where we're going to just have to agree to disagree. I still love you as my brother in Christ, but I, you know, and, and that is, and that's okay to have those differences in thoughts. Like I still believe Jesus is the Christ. So does he, I still believe that God is the creator. So does he, it's like, you know, all of those main points of what we believe are the same. It, and that's what, you know, matters. All of those yeah. other things like that denominations quote unquote fight about, we just shouldn't. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, there, there is such a thing as right and wrong, but we, uh, we get wrapped around the axle usually on, on details. Right. Um, and, and again, to go back to sort of the, uh, the, 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 what, what I guess potential, potentially inflammatory example of a, of a Muslim, uh, congressperson taking an exception to Christian worship on a plane. Yeah. If we go back to the kind of childlike analogy thing. Yeah. There are, there are times when, when I remember there was a kid that I, when I was, when I was pre-adolescent. So, you know, that, that great season of childhood where you're really just out and playing and really just having fun, not worrying yeah. about life too much. And yeah. there was this kid that lived across the street from me and more than once he would kind of grab his ball or whatever and storm away and say, I'm going home. You know, <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, okay. Um, but the the point is that it's like that's okay too. It, it doesn't mean he's my enemy, and it doesn't mean that his house is dumb and my house is great. It just means that sometimes we actually do need to live in different houses, and that's okay it too. It is, you know. So, but what doesn't need to happen is the animosity. If I were to have a conversation with that congresswoman, what I want to feel in my heart is something like, oh, no, tell me more. And then have her say something like, I don't feel like I can be as childlike as you. OK. Right. My, if my yeah. family were to break into undignified prayer or worship, but in a Muslim context on a plane, I feel like we would we'd be shut down in some way. And whereas mm. these Christians, you know, aren't being shut down and that doesn't feel fair. And mm. that's where I go. Yeah. The feeling of unfairness is exactly what children feel all the time when <laughs> when there's Absolutely. an unfair thing on a playground or whatever. So you kind of want to go like, you know what, uh, Congresswoman o Omar, your feeling is actually pretty valid, you know? Absolutely. I bet that doesn't feel very good, you know, feeling mm -hmm. like there's preferential treatment. Um, but I will say that, you know, to, to, to tweet the video with this kind of loaded rhetorical question, kind of all it did was make everybody on edge, you know? Um, and so again, in that undignified thing we, we've been talking about this whole time, it's kind of like, I wonder what would happen if, if she had been a little bit less dignified and said something like, it saddens me that, you know, the world seems unfair in a way that I don't feel as free as these guys. I envy how free these people feel. And I wish I could feel as free or something that's actually honest instead of beating around the bush towards the point. And, Absolutely. And, and, and saying something like, oh, sure, these guys, you know, and it just has this very combative tone. So, I, you know, I, I, I know that Christians in America are yoked right now with rebuilding trust. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and we should be. We should be. You know, we yeah. can do that. It's not beyond us. It's not below right. us. Yeah. Um, but it's also not only up to us <laughs> yeah. uh, that all Americans of all worldviews, uh, religious, non-religious and so forth, all really have some work to do to rebuild trust and say what's really on our mind with the risk of looking foolish, whether it's 
foolish in a joyful direction or foolish in a sorrowful direction. And I, I hope and I pray that that we can start to become freer to to be like that with each other. I don't know. I completely agree with you. And you know what? That that sounds like the Father's heart to me. He wants us to be free. He wants us to be uh, walking in love. That's what we're called to do. And the more free that we are of the, the shackles and things that hold us back from being our true selves in Him, the more that we're able to walk in true love. And last thing then, uh, you know, maybe I'll put my, my pastoral hat back on, uh, but Jesus doesn't give up his lordship in order to help everyone come to that freedom. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not, uh, I don't mean to be, sound pluralistic or syncretistic, uh, and say John Lennon style, like, well, we're all brothers and sisters. And if we just run around, like, you know, I don't mean to be like that about it. I mean, yeah, the paradigm for the freedom you and I are talking about is Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's not just something we have by default of being human. Maybe it was yeah. in e in Eden, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but not now, and, and that's why Jesus is the one who leads us back towards that freedom, and only Jesus, in 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 my in my uh, belief system, um, mastered it to the degree to which he's the one worth following. You know, we call him Lord for a reason. Exactly. You know, absolutely that I've never been as free that I am, as I am right now. I've, I've never been this free before in my life. I've, I've never felt so confident. So just free to be able to be exactly who I am and I'm able to express myself and, uh, it's like he delivered me of that people pleasing thing. That's why I brought it up earlier mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I think that one reason why, um, you know, specifically my podcast is all about on adulting and things like that is because I don't have a people pleasing bone in my body. Um, <laughs> like a child, I, and I, and I will say, Mike, there are times that, you know, God is really shaping the, my fruit of gentleness because there have been times where I have kind of had an attitude of, I don't care, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and I need to be better at that. And there is, there's a grace in learning. And, um, you know, I, I admit that about myself, but that type of attitude of childlikeness comes with that kind of like, I need to make sure that I do care. I, I do care about <laughs> people's, uh, you know, hearts and there, and I don't want to hurt anyone with, with this freedom, you know, um, or, or anything or act like I'm better in some way. Cause I'm definitely not. Um, it, it's just whenever you, whenever you do sit in the secret place and allow Jesus to just have your whole entire mind, body, and spirit, uh, and, and give him like full surrender of whatever it is that's inside of you that is holding you back. He will do it. He is very faithful to deliver and set you free from, from any wrong mindsets. And, uh, with that has just come full freedom, but yeah, it would not be if not for Jesus for mm -hmm. sure. Indeed. Um, well, hey, I, you know what? I don't want to dictate a timeline, but you know what? I just had a vision of as we as we continue to sort of talk on this in this playground that we're in right now, this <laughs> playground of your podcast. It made me think of like, do you do you have a memory of being a kid when like you're outside playing whatever you're playing, you know? Yeah. And yeah. like it's it's the sun has gone down long yeah. ago, and like yeah. your eyes start to strain, like you take a take a football in the face or something. Oh, <laughs> you realize. 
you realize that it's like it's got dark out here, you know. <laughs> maybe maybe there's an adult calling like it's it's night. You guys need to come in. Like that's how I feel like I'm like no, we're not done. Absolutely. I do. I completely understand. I love that. I love that. That's a perfect way to describe, you know, like that. It's so childlike in nature, but I really, you know, it has been such a joy, Mike. I knew that, you know, having you on today was uh, going to be this way and flow this way. I love that I didn't prepare a single question, that it just (laughs) flowed so well. I, I will have very little editing to do because it was just awesome. I so appreciate you, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you for being who you are, for being on my show and for doing what you do. A a number of people need to hear more about unadulting. And uh, Mm -hmm. I can only wish you the best and pray that uh, the Holy Spirit continues to just guide you with as much clarity and joy as possible. Wow. Thank you so much. And and I feel the same exact way about your show, um, Bible Jazz. It is full of life and full of meat. So I really appreciate what you do as well. Appreciate that. Great talking to you. I don't know about you, but I am so inspired. You're never too old to let your imagination run wild with the creator of the universe. Our God said that with him, nothing is impossible. As you seek the Father today, ask him if there are any obstacles standing in your way of becoming more childlike. Until next time, go in love and light.